Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, I talk with two other young adults, my wife Britt and my friend Jake, on three different pieces of culture that are definitely interesting to think about today. I think there's been a lot of push from women in secular society that's a push for independence, a push for equality, and associating, I guess, even a monetary value to that. I think women feel inferior if a man is offering to pay. I guess I'm just concerned that that's like kind of twisting the roles a little bit. Hey, it's Isaac, your host. I'm looking forward to chatting with two really good friends in just a moment on three specific issues or topics that we've personally seen and maybe even experienced in our culture today. Uh, we simply bring them up, you know, give a couple points and views, I guess, on them, and then hopefully you have thoughts as well, and we'd love to hear them. And I'll give more information at the end of the show on how you can also give your uh, points of view as well. But first, here's our conversation. With me today is the lovely Brittany. Hello. And the lovely Jake. Hey, guys. <laughs> Before we get into the uh, the different pieces that we're going to d- discuss, Jake, tell us what's been going on in your life. Um, I've had a lot going on in my life. I've been super busy the last, like, around a month. Like, I've had some school wrapping up. I've been full-time schooling, uh, and I was working two jobs. I had a part-time job at the church, being young adults uh, director, and I was working at a clothing store. Um, for, like Oshkosh. Like, yeah, Oshkosh Bagosh. We only sell <laughs> children's clothes. Okay. I wear them, though. Um, my tiny. <laughs> frame. Um, no, but so I've been super busy. Um, but what's really cool is lately um, I applied for and actually got uh, the job as full-time youth and young adults pastor at my church, which has been going since around May 1st. A uh, really, really cool opportunity. Um, is new and exciting because I've never done the youth ministry before. And that's, a, you know, very unique and different, even yeah. though there's only a couple years between youth and young adults. But yeah, no, it's been great. Yeah, I've been really humbled by it. But yeah, super, super excited. That's awesome. And you're schooling. What is it exactly in again? I go to Trinity Western University and uh, I have a major in English and then I have a concentration in religious studies. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Hopefully I'll do a master's afterward. Yeah. No, that's good. That's sweet. And what about you, Britt? I mean, I know a little bit about you, but you can tell Jake and, and our listeners, what have you been up to? Right. Well, I, like Jake, am a student and uh, I'm actually graduating this semester with my full Bachelor of Arts in English Literature. Nice. So yeah, it's been busy as well, but it's been really good and... Uh, Seeing this chapter come to a close has definitely been just yeah. just something really exciting because well, it's been a long process. Yeah, and we were talking about it the other day, and it's like, I don't think you've taken any time away from, like, since grade 12, you've just school. Yeah, I've kind of day. been like, people thought I was going to be a permanent student. Yeah. So, no, <laughs> so it's not happening, Never folks. have to pay back the loans yeah. if you're yeah. a permanent student. <laughs> exactly. Always, always, always. <laughs> All right. So as I've already mentioned uh, sort of at the beginning, the purpose of today's conversation is for three young adults. Okay. So anywhere people born from 1980 to 1999, anyone in that sort of that generation, it's really for the three of us to talk about three different issues, behaviors, beliefs in our culture, whether they're life things or faith things that you've either personally experienced or that you've seen around your peers. All right. Sound good? So, okay. Britt, you're up first. Give us your 
piece. <laughs> All right. So I guess mine is uh, behavior um, that I've noticed. Just in, in chatting with different friends and stuff, there seems to be a bit of confusion around dating and gender norms, I guess, and gender stereotypes. Mm. Uh, specifically, who pays on the first date? That's kind of the main, that's kind of the flashing question that's right. been coming up in a couple different conversations I've had. And like, I think that there's a lot that obviously plays into the confusion given the way that culture is significantly changing in regards to gender norms and gender identity. And also in regards to just age of dating, like it seems Mm. that, especially in Christian circles, it seems that people either date and get married really young or there's like a big gap and people are getting married like in their 30s and 40s. So, yeah. So it's interesting. (laughs) I don't know. I, yeah. So so when it comes to your first aspect, you talk about who pays on the first date, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, are you talking about, is there is there more people, like, because in my mind, I'm thinking guys pay. What about you, Jake? What do you Yeah, think? no, definitely. Like, that would be my assumption. If someone's asked me, like, who pays on a first date, my mind would automatically go to so well, the guy would. Why do we think that way? I think that's just, like, a cultural norm. Like, I'm not sure if I could pull something from, like, scripture. So, well, maybe, no. if you're, <laughs> no. like, a complimentarian But see, or something well, you, you like say that. that it's a cultural norm, and we're, I think what Bruce trying to say is, like, is our culture changing that to make it now it's not a cultural norm? Oh, okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it used it definitely used to be a cultural norm when saying. you think about employment. You know, women used to be unemployed way back in the day. Right. I mean, and that's edu- way back. Uneducated in, as well. Uneducated, employed, right. all of that. So that's obviously made a huge sweeping change right. over the centuries. Yeah. But yeah, but even more so, I think there's been a lot of push from women in secular society that's a push for independence, a push for um, equality and associating, I guess, even a monetary value to that. So I think there is, yeah, in culture, women feel inferior if a man is offering to pay. But I'm, I guess I'm just concerned that that's like a, a, like, Bad, not I don't want to say a bad way of thinking, but I think it's like kind of twisting the roles a little bit. Right. And you were talking actually. You said there was an article in some major news source. Yeah, it was Washington Post. Yeah. There was a op-ed piece, and a woman basically reamed out a situation where she was on a date, and the waiter gave the man the bill. Right. And she wrote a big response as to, I have money and like, let us figure out who's going to pay. You know, it's none of the waiter's business. All of this stuff. Oh, this is so, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, do you think like people are just looking for something to get upset about, though, with oh, like yeah. those kind of articles? Yes, yes. But I think that specifically when it comes to this whole idea of responsibility when it comes to genders, yeah. that plays a big role in this. And I think you're right, though. The whole the whole feminism movement, this independence in the in the woman, uh, definitely has sort of... Has a part to play. But it's shooting women in the foot, essentially. Right. For women who do appreciate that kind of, like, old chivalry and... and uh... I think it's interesting. Like, I think back to one of my first dates when I was actually allowed to date. So my parents, uh, I wasn't allowed to date from kindergarten to grade 12. I'm glad I didn't date in kindergarten, uh, but to grade 12. So right when I graduated, I went on a date um, and I remember going to Tim Hortons before we were going to go to the movies with this girl. And uh, 
And then she like she wouldn't let me pay for her, and it felt weird. It just felt wrong almost. I it felt awkward for me because I, I just knew it was just ingrained in me to pay for her. Like this is what mm-hmm. you do. I'm going on a date. Like I pay for her. And when she was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll do it. It was almost like, hey, like you're you're taking that away from me, you know. So it's almost as if like you know when you when you reject someone's gift and uh, uh, it actually hurts them more than it, you know necessarily hurts you. Uh, it's good to receive it. So yeah, to all you, to all you, you know, young ladies, <laughs> when a when a man wants to like, you know, gift you with coffee or or the, to pay for the meal on your first date, let them do it because it's a huge gift uh, to to us. I don't know. Yeah, I think like for the sake of like completely deromanticizing dating and stuff <laughs> like that, like what I've actually done because I, I've been in a few relationships with it past the first date because the first date's a little bit different. For that, I think like whoever asked the person on the date usually is the person that pays. Like I would, right. I would imagine, like because right. you're the one like wanting them to come with you and that sort of stuff. So whether that's the girl or the guy, but past them when you sort of been dating or in a relationship, I think it's okay to just talk about it. Like do you know right. what I mean with yeah, yeah, finances yeah. and that sort of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they want to go do something, say you know maybe that would be fun, but I might not have the money for that right now. Would you right. be okay? You know. Yeah, if you yeah. really want to do that, <laughs> right. like yeah. which which it sometimes can you know it's not super romantic, but you're realistic and it kind of avoids the the awkwardness. Of sure, it. I think it's interesting though because you mentioned that that I agree with that, and I think like totally that makes a lot of sense. Um, but if you back up to the first couple dates, that's often where the problem, the confusion is. I yeah. think, that's and true. I think it's an interesting point saying who, you know, saying. Depending on who inv- who is inviting who, right? That's where the responsibility of the payment falls. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, I've also some some people have shared experiences where there's this kind of underlying idea of because it's the first date, you just fend for yourselves. Right. So he pays yeah. for himself, she pays for herself. Um, or also, I've talked to some people with online dating, yeah. and the first kind of meet in person. That also is there's there's confusion around there. It's, well, I just think that if we're neutralizing everything to making it like equal for both, we both pay. Then there's just more. Uh, there's less sort of things for someone to know. Does this person like me or not? Exactly. So I just think, guys. Pay like it just just do that. If you like her, pay. But if you like her, pay for it. If you don't like her, don't pay. Don't pay for her. <laughs> then she'll get the idea. She'll get the idea. So. I'd say like the one thing I would just make sure besides everything else right. is don't go in expecting the other person to pay for you. Of course, that can lead to the most awkward situation where you're just like sitting at the table and like look over to them or something and yeah. just waiting. Are you and you're both doing the same thing and then right. you had to make like the awkward well, conversation. Well, to be honest, if any guy was expecting the woman to pay on the first date, I, to me that just to me that just seems weird. <laughs> Like so, you you got this one right. It's Let's like, just mm. say that the first date is always awkward. It is the first yeah. like couple dates. Yeah. The first it I don't is. know three months of dating can be awkward. Yeah. So well, there you go. It's gonna be awkward. Yeah. It's inevitable. Cool. All right, let's move on. Uh, Jake, what do you got for us? Yeah, it's a little bit more of a. Not, I don't want to say deeper, but more maybe more of a controversial oh, sort of one. Deeper. I don't I don't mean that like that. What are you saying, Jake? I don't mean it. I mean I'm deeper than you. Is what oh, I'm saying. No. Um, um, but what I want to talk about is it seems like in our culture, and I find it a lot with young adults because they're like steeped in our culture most of the time, um, is that we've lost the inability to be critical. The inability? We've lost the ability. Well, that was, uh, there's a double <laughs> negative. Yeah. We've lost the ability to be critical about yes. everything um, right. in, in our society. Uh, for an example, there's a guy, I think he's a comedian. I think it's John Cleese. 
Uh, is he Monty Python? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a video online, and he will no longer go to American universities and perform comedy because he says that, like, the, at the core of comedy is this criticism. Right. Um, you, you know, you're critical about something. You're making fun of it. Not in a way that you're being, like, super harsh or hating it, but that you're, you're critical of it. And he says you go into American universities now, and you just can't be critical of every, anything because they're just so they're so sensitive about everything right in in our culture um and i think in that for for christian's sake uh we we've kind of become a, i don't want to say like soft right but you know what i mean that we'll, no longer can we well not that we can't but we won't say um uh, or make real statements right. about anything uh you know you have hot topic issues like homosexuality or gender yeah or whatever it is um and now, you know, I don't know if it's for the sake of being loving or something along those lines. Right. But but we just won't take a stance on it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of that's, you know, I don't know, maybe it's like scriptural um, poverty that we have yeah. that we don't actually know what the Bible says about anything. Mm. Um, and, I, and a part of it, I think, too, is that we just have this huge skewed view of, of love nowadays yeah. that love is automatically connected with condoning something right or accepting what people believe right and like i'm not saying this before like i get a slew of like emails calling me some sort of bigot or something like that i'm not like endorsing bullying or something like that along those lines like i was bullied as a kid and and it's not good Mm -hmm. um but i think we live in this culture that you have to be safe all the time at least emotionally safe like we have these safe zones and all these different things right and then you know you can't say anything about how anybody's living. Right. And that results in the fact of everyone's just sort of sensitive and yeah. no one's critical yeah. about anything. I think it's kind of interesting, too, that, you know, we look in, let's say, Acts. And one of my, I shouldn't say it's one of my favorite. Sorry, it's not an Acts. It's in Galatians. Uh, I th- I just think it's awesome because it's so it's so contrast to our our culture now. But Paul, like, straight up calls out Peter for just hanging out with just the Jews when, uh, you know, and he leaves the Gentiles because other Jews are coming. He starts to people please. And we see this, like, you know, critical calling out of Peter. And that makes you kind of go into whole the whole idea of, you know, confrontation and being critical of, you know, sin in our culture. And I think that plays a huge role in it. I, I don't know if you guys think the same way, but I just, we don't see a lot of that. Like even amongst friendships of Christian friendships, we don't see a lot of people being critical about someone else's, let's say, behavior or sin because you're worried that you're going to offend them because everyone's trying to be sensitive. Mm-hmm. So there's not like, we don't see, and Paul and Peter were like brothers in Christ and he called them out in front of everyone. <laughs> so I just think that's like, we don't see that anymore in our culture. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. There's just sensitivity everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's a result of even social media and just the accessibility um, that we have to different opinions and also the platform for people to essentially get really aggressive online um, in in response to any sort of differing opinion? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. To me, the social media has definitely put up that fake. It feels like a fake wall where you're safe to kind of say and do whatever you want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but that, so it's been like overboard where everyone's critical online, but then face to face, it's like, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. You know? So it's actually interesting. I, I had an interview with Phil Calloway, which you guys know from his laugh again. And he said there was this big thing. Um, there was a, a some famous uh, uh, major league baseball player from New York, and he was going to be traded to a different team. And, uh, 
outside of the stadium, they were doing these interviews uh, with different fans, just random fans saying, what do you think about, you know, this guy leaving and going to a different team? And people were just like being angry. They're being critical, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was like kind of a big uh, test to, you know, social interaction because right then the guy walked out behind like the thing and he was right there and he heard everything and instantly their attitude like changed completely when they saw them face to face. And it shows that kind of silliness of what that fake wall is there. So I I think you're right. Social media has created less of a connection, I think. Yeah, Uh, a personal connection, like the face to face connection. Yeah. And with, yeah, within that, it's like we've, we've, again, I think it is a misunderstanding of what, um, confrontation actually is and how it's not actually a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't know why there is this skewed idea of, of confrontation and how it's bad and nobody wants to, to be straight with people or confront something that's bothering them or. Do you guys see healthy confrontation amongst your, uh, millennial friends? Do you see, like, good confrontation? Like, have you been confronted by a friend or have you confronted someone? Um, I'd say, like, I do it all the time. And, like, maybe just because I'm a very open person and I'm not really afraid of of being critical. But, like, with my young adults, uh, if there's something they're struggling with, like, in their life, like, uh, it's usually – it's always with guys. Like, I'll go and have coffees or whatever that may be. If they're struggling in a relationship or or with sex or whatever that may be – like, and the first thing I tell them before we get into it is like, hey, you okay with me being very honest with you? Because this is what this conversation is going to be and prepare them yeah. for that. And they, you know, they usually say yes. And then I'll talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. But I'll also temper that with letting them know, like, I'm telling you this because I care about you. Yeah. And there's a better lifestyle, you know, that I believe is there for you. And this is why I'm saying this to That's you. That's good. Yeah. Not because I think you're a, a bad person or you're, you know, because I'm better than you or superior and you're wrong. Or that sort of thing. And and I think that's what we've lost. I yeah. think like, you, sh- you know, you get this Christian criticism all the time that all it's about is like, hey, don't do that because you'll go to hell. Right. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, no, well, maybe, you know, that's part of it <laughs> if you're being separated from Christ or whatever. And that conversation can happen. Um, but really what you want to do, too, is like, hey, there's something better for you yeah. like here than that. And this is why I'm going back to Scripture and understanding why. But I think if we don't do that then, uh, you know, or know our scripture as well, then we totally leave ourselves open to being like misled. Like you, you read like, and in doubt has the, like the book of Jude. Right. And if you don't know scripture right. and, and know, you know, who Christ is and what he taught, then you leave yourself open to these lifestyles that are just, you know, completely contrary to what scripture yeah. teaches. And I think you bring up a good point, just backing up when you, you, you go and have a coffee with a, a guy and you say at the very beginning, like, you're good if I'm honest with you. Right. And they'll always say yes. Right. I think it, that's a great way, practically speaking, that, you know, if you're listening right now and you're like, man, I, I want that kind of friendship, then that's a great way to begin. Like when you're, you know, go to one of your best friends and just ask them like, hey, can I be, can I just be honest with you? Mm-hmm. And just almost ask their permission and then go for it. Like that's just a good practical way I think yeah. you can begin. I think I think if you are, if you are um, in Christian community, then I think people, I think Christian your Christian friends and family deep down do want that honesty, yeah, even totally. though they might be afraid of it. Um, I think deep down they they do want that and appreciate it. So, That's but good. but it's it's I think it's a completely different story when you're dealing with non Christian friends and family. Yeah, and that's a whole other. That's conversation. a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, all right. Well, I'll uh, let's move on. Uh, and this almost kind of ties in 
at least at the beginning when you're talk, talking about comedy and humor and everything. So obviously humor, comedy, these things have been around for ages. They've been used as rhetorical devices. They've been used in other things, just in stories for entertainment, but also for like pretty much anything and everything. Um, but lately I find with the internet, social media, stuff like that, it's been really easy to share and promote humor, obviously, like before you'd think of, a, you know, at a family get together in like the 17 or 1800s and you'd have like the dad being like, okay, everyone, I'm going to tell a joke. And then everyone sits and listens. We still see that today at family gatherings, but now it's way more easier because you just, you know, share everything on social media and stuff like that. So I did a small inventory of about, I don't know, 16 or 17 random Facebook friends <laughs> and, uh, and they're all Christian millennials. And I was just like, let me just do an inventory of like their last 10 posts on Facebook. And it's again, humor slash things to make people laugh was like the top, one of the top things. Uh, that's over like pictures of their family or things that they were doing or news things they were sharing. It's something funny. It was something funny. Um, and in, in the past while as well, you've sort of seen over so social media that there's like this Christian specific humor, uh, celebrities, organizations uh, that really appeal to the younger generation. So you have people like John Christ, who does all those like videos of like, you know, the parking lot church thing you probably heard or yeah. the proposal thing, a Christian proposal. Uh, there's also Trip and Tyler who do a lot of Christian uh, stuff like Christian Tingle and all that kind of stuff. And then you have uh, things like the Babylon Bee, which is, again, like this promoting this humor through kind of engaging the Christian sort of culture. And I believe comedy and humor can definitely wake someone up from a, a reality that maybe isn't true. But here's my question. If one of the biggest struggles that millennials have, and I believe this, is a loss of a lack of the fear of God, there just doesn't seem to be a seriousness uh, when it comes to God or the church or the Bible. Is this kind of humor, this kind of Christian-specific humor that's being shared all the time amongst Christians on social media, is that actually helping this issue of helping millennials see and fear God. And I'm not, I'm not acting, I'm not asking this just for you to be like, well, obviously not. And now we all have to feel bad. I'm not asking it for that way. I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly asking because comedy is a rhetorical device to help us wake us up is something like the Babylon Bee and John Christ's videos and all that. Does that actually help us in this issue of, of fearing God? Um, if I can say something to that, and I'll like make the admission like right away, I love the Babylon Bee. Like it, yeah. <laughs> it kills me. It's so funny. Right. Um, most of the time, usually because there's like so like there's just that hint of truth, enough truth there to make it, oh, you know, that, meaningful. and that's the point. I think. But like you know? what I, how I learn from that, if I say I learn anything really from the Babylon Bee or you know the satirical stuff, yeah, is I'll be reading this stuff and I'll be laughing and that sort of stuff and and, and enjoying it and and this, but. Usually I'll have a revelation. This is, I think, the powerful thing about the satire is it's funny, but sometimes it's so funny that it's sad Yeah, because it's, it's that true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was an article they wrote about um, uh, fog machine shuts down and young adult service and Holy mm -hmm. Spirit leaves the building. <laughs> You know, and like everybody leaves and like, we'll never let this happen again and ruin the service. And like God was gone <laughs> and like that sort of stuff. And it's like, obviously like an exaggeration, Yeah. but you can go to these young adult services sometimes. And I'm a young adult pastor, so I'm not like ragging on them. Yeah. 
Um, but but seriously, like if, if it's not like the peak of, of production or whatever, yeah. and the laser lights and the and the fog and and the perfect music and stuff, people are just like, ah, you know, I could just go somewhere else and find it better. But do you think the majority? So that when you see that though, like you're not someone like I know your church and I know you, and yeah. you don't have the crazy production. No. And so you can read that and be like, you can kind of laugh, be like, man, this is really true to our culture. But what if people, the thousands of people that are in that. Like, does that, does this article help them? Like, does, will that wake them up? I think, I think that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I think it's like, I don't know. Like, do people who are in it see it? Right. Is humor enough to help them see it? Or is it just like a, like blatant ignorance? Well, he, the thing is this, when, whenever I look at a Babylon B, let's say article, I instantly know what they are you know, satirizing. Is that the right yeah. way to say it? Okay. You're an English major, so I'll make sure I'm using that right. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Like, I, I don't know, like I'm not boasting, but I just, every single one you can show me and I'll be like, oh, I get it. Like, I understand it. But like that is everyone think that way? Or are there things like, what about the person that is a young adults, you know, or let's say a worship leader and they do the real production and they really believe in it. If they read that article, will they laugh? Or, or, or they will they get, get it? Or they, they get just a regular like article or something? Yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely, it did. The Holy Spirit left. Like I get it. Uh, yeah, that's why the or, I mean, like does this does it do anything? You or know? does it make them mad? Because I think that's indicative of a heart response as well. Like right. if you read something like that, that's yeah. blatantly, obviously yeah. cr- criticizing right. the way. For this example, the way yeah. that ch- uh, young adult church services are manifesting in our 21st century church, if someone reads that and gets upset, then yeah, is that indicative of maybe there is something that's wrong with it? Right. Because the reason why the article is written in the first place is because they're making fun of it because there's an issue. There's an issue, Something's ridiculous about it. Yeah. So... I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I was just thinking though, like, okay, if our struggle is a lack of seriousness when it comes to who God is and our responsibility as Christians, does this kind of stuff help. I think like if I can make a suggestion how I do it, because I do preach sermons once in a while too for the general congregation. Right. And I'm like, I, I'm just, that that's who I am. Like I'm humorous and that's how I speak and that's how, you know, present or whatever it is. But I think uh, I make sure in every instance that I'm I'm being funny or whatever you'd want to call it in my sermon, <laughs> that you have to temper it with a real serious point. Right. Um, and, and make sure that they actually know what you're saying, not just to get laughs, right. but this is purposeful and this actually connects to something. Right. That's an interesting, yeah, that's just an interesting comment too, because I was just thinking as you were talking about that, I think that if you have that kind of, I don't know if I should say this, but if you have a, a good sense of humor, I think you do have a like a wealth of depth because you, you recognize, like you said before, the reason why you're making a joke or you're satirizing something or you're you know, whatever. It's because you you see something beyond the surface. Right. So there is... And you almost have a responsibility. If you have a good sense of humor, you have a responsibility to make those things known. Yeah. And humor is an amazing way to do it, like, in a way that actually can make something obvious, maybe yeah. obviously ridiculous to someone, and maybe help them see outside of the what's before them or whatever, you know? And, that's good. And do it yeah. in a way that's lighthearted. Sure. And so they don't feel like crap. Yeah. There you go. Uh, We talked about payments on the first date, who pays, you know. We've talked about criticism 
and love and stuff like that and sensitivity and also humor, Christian humor specifically and what it does. But anyways, thanks guys for coming on the show uh, with me today. Thanks. Thanks. Well, there you go. Three different pieces of culture that I'm sure most of you have experienced and maybe even have even thought about. Um, maybe you have something to say about one or three of those topics, and we'd love to hear about it. So just email us at info at or message us on Facebook or uh, Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. Anyways, if Indoubt is something you'd be interested in donating to, you can do that by clicking the donate button at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Well, I'm Isaac and this is Indoubt. Indoubt Ministries exist to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.